Take your Bibles to Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. I believe God's people, especially God's people, need encouragement at this time. So I'm I'm coming off of my door, I'm coming off of my verse by verse on Corinthians for a little bit, even though even though I really like chapter 12, 13, in Corinthians, good chapters, but we'll be back to it. I want to go over real quickly over maybe one of the greatest chapters of all the New Testament. Ultimately, ultimately, this world is not my home or your home. The God of this world is Satan. He's the prince and power of the air. In Ephesians chapter 5, he's called, he's, there's, it says there's wickedness in high places. Um, that's the way it's always been. And that's the way it will end until Jesus comes, ultimately. There'll be no um, Eula land, really, uh, until Jesus comes. What God is allowing to play out is that no amount of human government will ever work. I mean, totally work. There's corruption in our government. There's corruption in a system. Uh, call it deep state. Call it whatever you want. But it's people who are not honest that have somehow risen to places of power. And we got it. We've got it in state government. I mean, we, we've got it in, in uh, local County government. It was not long ago that three of our commissioners went to jail. Remember that? Three of our commissioners here in Lee County went to jail for doing some sort of covert deals, cutting cutting deals with, I think it was cutting deals with contractors or something. You know when they, you know when they got that kind of influence, people get around them, try to make them do something that's not right. And so even little Lee County, and by the way, Lee County was little then. It was not little now. We have more people live in Lee County than an entire state of entire state of North Dakota. North Dakota's got about seven hundred fifty thousand people, and Lee County's got about seven hundred fifty thousand people. So, North Dakota's a lot bigger place than Lee County, but it's uh, it's not as good. so. Anyway, let's read. Let me read down through here and make some comments tonight. Hope this will encourage you. Uh, this chapter I've preached on it, worked on it, um, taught it many different times through the years, you would have to. As a preacher, you would have to. This is the culmination of all the hopes and dreams of God's people. Since Jesus came and walked on this whole earth about three and a half years, was crucified, resurrected, stayed around about another 40 days or so, was uh, ascended, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. And he said, the 111 says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus. This what Jesus? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He went up and disappeared in the clouds. He's coming down with clouds to the earth. And he's going to make his place here. Now, he came as a lamb, didn't he? He came as a lamb. The Bible says in uh, Isaiah 53, as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Uh, he was the very 
God that created everything around him, visible and invisible, and every word that he spoke would come true. Every word he spoke. He spoke into existence. The Bible says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him. Without Him was not even made, it was made. He made it all. And so it must have been hard for him. It seemed, it seemed to be hard for him. But he had to control his speech. He had to control what he said about what? Much of what he said. He said, I, I say this, it's a scripture, maybe, must be may be fulfilled, which must be fulfilled also. So the culmination of the hopes of people going back all the way to the first century, all the way to our century up here, almost 2,000 years now, is really in Jesus coming back and making things right. Right? We're looking forward to the day. If you're, if you're a person of, of birth, of, of spiritual birth, you've been born from above, you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He longs for righteousness. The Holy Spirit longs, yearns for truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He longs for things to be done justly and uprightly and, and openly and transparently. But that's not this world. And so like Lot... And if I may say it this way, even you may disagree with this, but he's called righteous Lot. Righteous Lot. Soul was vexed with the ungodly behavior of those around him. Every day. Every day it was vexed. And here we are. Um, and our souls are vexed. Uh, you don't have to watch news to have your soul vexed. You just got to walk around a little bit and get around people. Uh, but your soul will be vexed at what you see going on, some of the ungodly behavior of the people. And so we're looking for, what's going to stop all that? What's going to stop all that is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not talking about the rapture of the church, which I believe precedes this seven years, which allows the opening of the 70th week of Daniel to be completed. What's amazing about God to me is how he keeps every little, thing he says, every little jot, every little tittle, a dot of an eye and a cross of a little T, every bit of that's going to be fulfilled. He gave certain promises to Israel. They were never fulfilled as far as we know. They will be fulfilled in the millennium. They're going to be fulfilled exactly in the millennium the way he said it. Never got fulfilled yet. And that's why there's hope, of course, and there's many scriptures that they will be fulfilled coming up. Here, oh, let me, uh, let me get something here and read it because... Uh, I thought it was real interesting. I did some research on just statistical research on the second coming. And, and, and there's 155 verses in the Old Testament that refer to the coming of, of God. Now, in the Old Testament, it doesn't reveal Christ before his time. It says, uses Jehovah's coming. Jehovah is coming. Capital L O R D, and then that's a that's a, if I might say a code for Jehovah. So Jehovah's coming. You can go to Zechariah fourteen five, some other places. Jehovah's coming, and he's coming with all his saints. So they they knew way back that God was going to come, but they didn't they didn't. The vision of the Bible 
from Genesis to Revelation gets clearer as you get closer to the New Testament. In other words, in the Old Testament, they had some ideas about what was going to happen, but they were not real clear. God was coming back, God, with his saints. Well, the New Testament tells us it's Jesus coming back. makes it more clear, more defined, more, more definitive. So that, that your vision on what goes on. So where are we at? Well, we're 2020. Our vision's as clear as anybody that's been before us. Every, our vision on, on, on what's going on in the world and stuff has, has been clear, as clear or clearer than anybody before us. We've seen World War We can look back historically, World War One, World War Two. Bible said before the end of the time, before the coming of Christ, the rapture, that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and, but, but not yet. These are just the beginning of sorrows. Well, we've seen that. Now, we can look back historically. And, now, they were looking forward. They didn't even, that was yet to come. In the first century, looking up, that was way yet to come. Now we look back and say, oh, man, World War, uh, was it one was to be the war to end all wars, or was that World War II? One. They thought World War I would be the war to end all war. They didn't know the Bible well, did they? Then they, they, World War II came, which was bigger than World War I. Now, the, now World War III, by anybody's recollection, is going to be bigger than any previous war before that, if there even is a World War III, there may not be. So we see 155 verses allude to, in the Old Testament to, to God coming back. There's 128 verses in the New Testament. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of testimony that Christ is coming back. There's 704 verses about the restoration of Israel in the Bible. Is Israel... There are certain people try to mix the church and Israel. You can't do it. Church is the body of Christ, period. He's the head, we're the body. Israel's Israel. And the, the restoration of Israel to the land to all the promises being fulfilled, 704, uh, mostly in the old, by the way. I did a study on that. It was a massive work uh, to get it done, but went through all the entire Old Testament in my reading, my Bible reading, and I identified the millennial verses that I ran across, and then I verified, are they indeed still millennial verses? Were they, are they really millennial verses? I went to some other authorities for some help to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. Uh, 28 verses... There are 28 verses of a, the joint, there's a, going to be a reign of, with Christ reigning. Eight in, the, eight in the Old Testament and 20 in the New Testament. There's 321 verses of, of the, talking about the millennial kingdom, just the, the reestablishing of Israel with Christ as their king. Uh, he's called the child of David, uh, son of David, setting up in Jerusalem, ruling with a rod of iron, a lot in Isaiah there. There's 253 Old Testament, 68 New Testament uh, scriptures allude to the millennial kingdom. There's people out there that don't believe there's going to be a millennial kingdom. They're called amillennialists. I never figured out, are we reading the same book or what is going on here? What are you people saying no millennium? There has to be. The word millennium means thousand year reign. It's clear. It's mentioned six times in just one chapter of the book of Revelation. So, how many people, there, there's also, there's a lot of fake news, false information, biblically, all over. 
There's people out there that say the rapture, pre-rapture of the church, the rapture before the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, which where he, where he picks up his last seven years dealing with the children of Israel, which he's not yet fulfilled. Uh, he takes the, takes the church out. Uh, I believe during that seven years, that's the judgment seat of Christ. All the rewards are given out. However, we're grouped together, and we're going to be the ones then to come back with him riding upon white horses. I don't know. You say, are they really going to be white horses? Well, all I can tell you, everything else in the Bible is fulfilled literally. 50% of all prophecy has been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled literally. The other 50% has not been fulfilled. How would you think it was going to be fulfilled? If the first 50% was fulfilled literally, like was Jesus' beard plucked out? Yes, it was plucked out. And so you just go down. Then I would have to say with confidence that the next 50% of prophecy that waits to be fulfilled is going to be fulfilled exactly. So are we going to be coming back on white horses? I'm going to say yes. White horses. I don't ride, I don't ride well, but I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to do then. I don't know. It's, you know. God values more what he made than what we've made. You got that? God made horses. He didn't make planes. He values what he made more than what we've made. And so he's going to have us come back on what he made, not what we've made. No jets, no you know, rocket outfits. There is no rocket man. There is no, there is no Mickey Mouse. There is no hobbit. Some of you have bad hobbits, but otherwise that's the much you're going to get. There is no Middle Earth. I know that's a hard, hard thing to take. So I went back and looked up who in the first, second century believed in pre-trib rapture. Because the, 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 the fake news out there, I want to tell you, there, are, there, is, there was nobody in the first three centuries believed in the, in the rapture, pre-rapture of the church. They're wrong. Uh, Papias, I believe it is, the pronunciation. Arrhenius, Justin Martyr, and Tertullian all clearly believed in the rapture of the church before the tribulation period began. So it's not a new teaching. It's not something that somebody just dug out and said, oh, you know, we'll make this up because we just want to escape what went on, what's going on in the tribulation. We just don't want to go through it. Uh, that's not at all why we believe in the pre-trib rapture because we have some idea we want to escape the, the 21 judgments that God is going to place. Part of why we're not going, well, I can't go into all the reasons why we're not going to, but I have, I've talked plenty about it. Well, let's get on here. I've got to finish this whole chapter in about 20 minutes. Let's start right out with, chapter, with verse 119. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia. I have to believe I'm part of that. I have to believe you're part of that. That your voice has joined in with this. Because this is future. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are His judgments. Judgment is righteous judgment, meaning things are made right. You're looking forward to that, aren't you? Oh, me too. For he that judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. The great whore was judged in the chapter 17, 18. Uh, two big areas of control were judged. Uh, the area of the false church or false religion. This woman riding upon this horse and 
drinking blood, and just, you, you can just read 17, 18. And then uh, they call commercial Babylon the um, economic system, the corrupt economic system of the world is also judged. So the religious false religion is judged, which has enslaved so many people, and also the corrupt um, uh, business methods, uh, whatever you want to call them, are also judged together. Commercial Babylon, they call it. So, and again they said, Hallelujah, second time, her smoke rose up forever and ever. And four and twenty elders and four beasts, the four and twenty elders, that's interesting, 24 elders, probably the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, making 24. The four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with saying amen in church, man. It's Bibles can be. A voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God for all ye servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as a voice of many waters, as a voice of mighty thunderings. And we in Florida know mighty thunderings. I've been sitting on my porch and jumped a foot and never even moved. When the lightning hit about 25 feet from me, a big old full I've had lightning within seven or eight feet of me hit. Thank God I was in my car or it probably killed me. But uh, it almost deafened me and it makes your hair stand up. Right, Dr. Tom? Makes your, makes your hair stand Tom knows about that hair stand. When he had hair, it stood up. Saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor. So what we see here, we see his revelation. We see, so far, we see his praise. In verse 6, we see his rule. In verse 7 and following, we see his marriage. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And, her, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Remember, our righteousness is not our righteousness. It's our righteousness given to us by Christ's righteousness. And so you can, you can wear a white dress and not blush, girls. You can wear white men without, without pretending to be something else. Like there so happens so much here. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness that the judge and make war. This is his purpose. I'm going to show you five things here in the next few verses. First, you see his purpose. His eyes were a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Now you know this is the person revealed. We know from the Bible this is Jesus. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, I believe that to be us, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. These are his people. So we see his purpose. We see his person, and we see his people. I don't have time tonight to go to Isaiah 11.4 and Hebrews 4.12 4, to kind of give a little spice to that, but those are good references. 
Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, which should smite the nations, and should rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. God's word will smite you. Have you ever had it happen? You read your Bibles, you read a passage, and it smites you. Ugh. Smites you. The word of God will smite you. That's what he's talking about here. His, his, the power of the word. And he hath on his vesture written a name, and his and a vesture and a thigh written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, this is his position. So you have his purpose, his person, his people, his power. In verse uh, 15 and 16, his position. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A lot of songs have been written about that. Good stuff. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and cried with a loud voice, saying, All the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. This is the, by the way, the judgment as he comes with us. Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. Do not confuse the supper of the great God with the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're two completely different things. Marriage supper of the Lamb is a happy time. It's a rejoicing time. A statement that makes, made me just uh, amazed that Jesus is going to gird himself in the kingdom and serve us. Remember when Jesus came to wash Peter's feet, his reaction? You can't wash my feet. There ain't no way. He said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. Oh, he says, wash my whole body. Jesus is going to gird himself and serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's going to be unbelievable. I'm so unworthy. It's amazing to imagine that to be. But he said it so. And then this marriage supper, this, this not marriage supper, but the marriage, of, the supper of the great God, if I may say. That's different. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men both free and bond, both small and great. I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth, the beast meaning the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So Satan, with his beast, with the man that's given power by the dragon, is going to gather as many forces as he can to go to the place called Valley of Megiddo or Armageddon, and they're all going to meet there. And China's going to bring over a 200 million man army. And Euphrates is going to dry up. And they're going to go through the Euphrates, march from China over to that. And they're all going to meet. And Christ is coming back. They're meeting there to destroy Israel once and for all. And God says, no, you're not going to do that. The beast was taken with a false prophet. And he wrought miracles before him. And he, the false prophet who wrought miracles before him, which he deceived them, that he received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. There was his word. The Bible says the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. And so symbolism is clear. And all fowls were filled with their flesh. Now if you turn... Over to chapter 20, in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, because they were already cast there in chapter 19, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's no place that I know of in the Bible that indicates that hell 
is a place of unconsciousness. The only thing I've ever seen in Scripture is hell is a place of consciousness. In fact, being made in the very image of God, uh, we uh, makes sense that we are a never-dying soul like God. That's one of the attributes of God. Now, we're volitional like God, meaning we can choose. We have volition. And so it makes sense to me that there would be a consciousness eternally. The question is, where will you spend that eternity? If you're here tonight without Christ your personal Savior, you don't know for sure if you die to go to heaven. You want to get that nailed down, right? You, you don't, just don't, don't, don't you put it off. Don't you mess around. You nail down. I know Jesus Christ my Savior. In fact, you ought to be able to, it would be nice if you could quote a few verses about that, like John 3.16, right? Or maybe 17.18. But if not, you can at least open the Bible and show this, you know, this, this is where I'm putting my weight, right here on the Word of God. Right? And be saved. I am shocked at how cavalier people are about their salvation. I mean, they'll say, well, I hope I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I might be saved. I say, well, you die, you're, where are you going? Well... I'm going to heaven. Well, why? Well, I'm not sure. Something, biblically speaking, something as eternal as your never-dying soul, you wouldn't want to mess with that. You want to know. You want to nail it down. You, you, and so, so anyway, so the devil and his beast, which he empowers, and the false prophet, which he also empowers, are going to spend... An eternity in torment. Now, if you go to chapter 14, those who take the mark of the beast also specifically are talked about how they're tormented day and night without rest. I don't know if you folks ever been without rest. Maybe you had a cold. Maybe you had a... I had a cough about three, four years ago. And it came on me literally instantly. It was almost I was eating lunch and all of a sudden I started coughing. Like out of nowhere. No sore throat, no running nose, and I started coughing. And I coughed, and I, I coughed all that night, and for five nights, I could not sleep. I would have went to my veterinarian if, if you want some good treatment. I didn't go to the doctor. I told my wife, you know, I don't know if I'm, I, you know, I I'm going to make it. Because after three, four nights, I started hallucinating. I'm going around the house looking in all the closets for my wife. Stuff just being hallucinating, you know, starting to hallucinate and stuff, but coughing. Every time I'd get peaceful, I'd cough. You ever had that? Well, if you haven't, you need it. No, you don't. But the coughing, tormented, no rest. Boy, God does that to you, so you kind of get a little heads up how bad that'd be not to be able to rest, just to be able to lay your head down and for just a few minutes to be able to rest, to be able to block out. Have you ever had your mind operate and your body wants to go to sleep so badly but your mind won't let you go to sleep? You ever had that? That's torture, brother. That's sister. That's torture. Oh, hell will be much worse than that. Oh, my, my. That's why I preached on this is your hour in the power of darkness. Darkness has their moment in time. They have their hour and their moment. And then, but because of what's facing them, ultimately, is so bad. So long, so so unforgiving that uh, their little moment of time 
the most popular song I, I read, if somebody told me this, uh, the most popular song now at funerals is I did it my way. Well, Frank Sinatra is not saying that now. I'm very confident, based upon the word of this book, Frank Sinatra's in hell. And he's not doing it his way. And he's never going to do it his way. And oh, would to God, he could come back and be saved. He'd love to do it. But he can't. And he won't. And so many others that have sold their life for pleasure or sold their life for the world or sold their life for their own will. Well, it's better just to do it God's way, amen? I hope that, that chapter, I hope you're encouraged some. Ultimately, we're looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There'll be no government that'll ever totally succeed without Jesus being the number one. And so he'll be, he's coming back, going to set his government up. We're going to be part of it. I didn't have time to go into the promises that we're going to be kings and priests. What's that all about? What do kings do? Yeah, they manage. A king's basically a CEO or a manager. And we're going to be managers. And we're going to be ministering as priests. What do priests do? They tell people about Jesus. They tell people about the Word of God. They communicate between God. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There was part of, part of the, I stand before you tonight as a mouthpiece uh, for the Lord Jesus. Now, not everything I do would be right, but anything I do that is right is from Him. And so hopefully, by the grace of God, um, like Paul said, I beseech you, I, I, I beseech you as though God, let me see if I get this right, as though God did beseech you by me, be ye reconciled to God. Paul knew that. He's, Paul said, and I've gone door to door, folks, told him sometimes, you know, God's not going to come appear to you probably. Now, I may be the only representation of God you're ever going to see with the gospel. You ought to pay attention to what I tell you, what I talk to you about to Jesus. You ought to pay attention. Because nobody else may come by between here and death. But God's made each one of you a generation of kings and priests that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So our future is bright and uh, unhinderable, if I may say that. Nothing can stop it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a few minutes together. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the coming of Christ, for conquering of evil, for overcoming the wicked one. Father, we pray that you'd anoint the Word of God through us, that we'd live it. We'd not just speak it, but we'd live it. The Holy Spirit have His way with us. Uh, just help us in every way to honor you. Uh, we ask you for mercy and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.